Hello, and welcome to the Lancet Digital Health Podcast. I'm Diana Samuel, the Senior Editor of the Journal. In February of this year, the European Commission published a white paper setting out a European approach to artificial intelligence. Today, we are going to be talking about a new viewpoint published in the journal, which discusses some of the challenges of implementing this European approach in healthcare and outlines ways in which the approach could be refined. I'm very happy to be joined by two authors of the paper, Sarah Gierke and Timo Minsen. Sarah is a research fellow in medicine, artificial intelligence and law at Harvard University. She is particularly interested in the ethical and legal challenges of artificial intelligence and big data in both the US and Europe. Timo is professor of law at the University of Copenhagen and the founding director of the university's Center for Advanced Studies in Biomedical Innovation Law. He is also affiliated with Lund University, where he investigates legal aspects of quantum technology. His research concentrates on European and US intellectual property, competition, and regulatory law, with a special focus on new technologies, big data, and artificial intelligence in health and life science sectors. So welcome, Sarah and Timo. Thank you for joining me. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Thank you very much for inviting us. So starting with the foundation of this viewpoint, can you briefly sum up the purpose of the European Commission's white paper and explain what it's outlining? Sure, Diana. The European Commission's white paper on artificial intelligence, which we call AI in the following, was published on the 19th of February 2020. It was accompanied by a communication on a European strategy for data and a report on safety and liability of AI. In combination, these documents set out a European approach for AI. The white paper emphasizes, among other things, the need for the EU to act as one and define its own way based on European values to promote the development and deployment of AI. And that is a quote. So for regulation investment, the white paper presses a dual goal. First, to support the AI uptake, and second, to address risks linked to particular uses of it. It also sets the lofty ambition for the EU to, and this is another quote, become a global leader in innovation in the data economy and its applications. And health is, unsurprisingly, regarded as one of the most important application areas. Importantly, European values are part of the strategy to address increasing competition from the US, Chinese, and soon also UK industries. It also identifies some of the unique challenges of AI for regulators and contemplates a regulatory structure that also evolves to fit these characteristics. Excellent. That's a great summary. Thank you. So what motivated you to write this article, and in particular to focus on the implications of this strategy for healthcare? So when the European Commission published its white paper on AI in February, my courses and I immediately read it, since it was a much-awaited and essential paper that sets out, as Timo mentioned, a European approach for AI. But after careful consideration, we concluded that the European Commission's approach raises some challenges when implementing it in healthcare. And so we decided to write this article to discuss them and also outline what we view as the most relevant next steps in the Commission's iterative process. Thank you. Now, Timo mentioned earlier that European values are a core aspect of this strategy. 
And in fact, in the article, you highlight the specificity of European values and data and the conflicts that can arise when an algorithm developed in one setting is transferred to a different culture and context. Could you explain what you mean by European values and how these may differ from those of other regions and also describe what you feel could be possible solutions to avoid such conflicts between region-specific values and data? Absolutely. So one section, as you mentioned, of our article focuses on European values and European data because the European Commission emphasizes in its white paper AI based on European values and even strives to export its values across the world. And this statement runs into some questions. So first, what are European values? Um, so there are several shared values embedded in the legal structure of the Union itself, as well as in important existing forms of EU legislation and initiations. So these values include, for example, the Charter of Fundamental Rights of the EU, the European Green Deal, and certain privacy protections captured by the EU General Data Protection Regulation. And in particular, the Commission's approach promotes the respect of fundamental rights, including non-discrimination, human dignity, pluralism, and protection of privacy and personal data. And these values are without a doubt commendable, but my co-authors and I are not sure whether one would find high levels of homogeneity within the EU on a myriad of specific questions raised by the regulation of medical AI. So to give you one example, should we be willing to accept more black box medical AIs? So these are systems that are opaque, but are designed to help physicians with patient care. The answer to this question may depend on whether we require, similar to the handling of drugs, positive results of randomized clinical trials to demonstrate their safety and effectiveness. We may want to pair black box medical AI with rigorous demonstration of its care-improving effects. Or should we demand the right to explanation in all cases, even at the expense of innovations that can be shown to improve care? So especially in the light of the current COVID-19 pandemic, not only European, but also universal values are desirable. But such a goal will be even more challenging to achieve. Yes, Sarah, I fully agree. And being myself German, living in Sweden and working in Denmark, I think the discrepancies between the different systems became particularly clear during the COVID-19 crisis, where the country said, chosen completely different approaches and also had different kind of considerations behind it. But even if we assume that these challenges can be overcome in the AI context, that a new European regulatory framework on trustworthy AI will reflect broad consensus between the member states, we still have to ask ourselves, how exactly does one ensure that values are built in across cultures and contexts? In medicine, for example, Data are the recorded experiences of patients and physicians. But as such, they carry with them the preferences, practices, policies, and biases of those healthcare encounters. And there is no reason to believe AI trained on EU health data will produce good results abroad. For example, algorithms trained with data from a leading specialist hospital might not recommend appropriate treatments for a rural hospital in lower resource settings. Another painful experience was the attempt to import U.S. electronic health records to Denmark. 
the EPIC system, as it was called, was designed for U.S. physicians' offices and hospital systems, mainly to enable them to bill more efficiently. Thus, the system could not be untied from the U.S. medical culture and easily translated to Danish healthcare systems that are based on socialized medicine. So this is just one example where we could see from history that some tensions and problems could arise in this area. That's interesting uh, and, and complex. And those are some really great examples you've both provided there. So another issue you raise in the article is the update problem. Can you explain this problem to our audience and discuss why you think the development of more harmonized European health system infrastructures could be the way forward? Yes, sure. So for some products such as drugs and medical devices, regulators typically review a product before it goes on the market. But AI systems raise new challenges for regulators. So should they permit the marketing of AI systems that can continuously learn? How can they determine when the updated AI behaves differently enough that a new review is needed? So we call this the update problem. So the commission acknowledges this problem in its white paper and also identifies a number of risks, including cybersecurity ones, that might arise through self-learning during usage. However, the commission does not make suggestions on how to address this problem. So one approach would be to lock the algorithm at the moment of review. And lock the algorithm means it does not evolve over time and does not use new data to alter its performance. So for example, the US Food and Drug Administration, the FDA, has so far only cleared or approved AI systems, so-called software as a medical device, with locked algorithms. But this approach forgoes much of the value of such systems. And this is a problem that the FDA has also seen and the agency is thus developing a new regulatory approach. To give you an example, so consider an algorithm that analyzes mammograms and makes recommendations as to breast cancer. And if its training data is primarily based on Caucasian women, allowing the algorithm to update as more data from European women of African descent are included would be desirable since breast density differs by race. And so instead of trying to lock down the algorithm, regulators should focus on developing processes to continuously monitor, identify, and manage risks associated with these algorithms. So for example, regulators could use systems such as Sentinel, which is the FDA's monitoring system for medical products, to non-stop monitor AI systems. Continuous stress testing could also be carried out using, for instance, simulations and robustness analysis. One also needs to be aware that the performance of AI algorithms is sensitive, not only to any changes of the data used as inputs whenever the technology is used in different contexts, but also to many human organizational factors such as differences in skill levels or cultures across hospitals and regions. Yes, if I may interfere, Sarah, this is a very important point that you make here. So I fully agree. And I think this also indicates already that implementing such a system in the specific European context will not be easy at all. For example, in a meeting held at the European Medicines Agency, the EMA, in December 2017, the EMA acknowledged that the Sentinel system provides the FDA with a very high level of control, but 
the report and the meeting at the EMA also pointed out that the Sentinel system is expensive and that although Europe is fortunate with its national wealth of health and healthcare data for research, there is a significant heterogeneity across these data sources arising from multiple coding systems, languages, structures, content, and governances. Considering further the many different jurisdictions and new legislative developments, such as the GDPR, the General Data Protection Regulation, uh, the EMA concludes that this clearly complicates the implementation of similar systems in Europe. And it is therefore, in my view, unclear how European initiatives to enhance common data models and real-world data uses will develop in the near future. To achieve improved results, one will most likely need concrete health sector-specific initiatives and approaches such as more harmonized European health system infrastructures with appropriate monitoring and risk management practices that go actually beyond the laudable principles and ambitions proposed in the February 2020 white paper report and in the communication. That's really intriguing. Thank you both so much. Now, Another issue covered in the article, one that I found particularly interesting, is the trade-off between values and competing interests. You list the seven essential requirements AI systems need to meet in order to be classified as trustworthy. But you also point out that there may be instances where a trade-off between these requirements and competing interests are required. What are the health ramifications of these trade-offs? I think that most trade-offs will probably have to balance the sometimes competing interests and values to privacy, intellectual property rights, competition, accountability, transparency, explainability, performance, bias, and discrimination. Just to give you an example, the European Commission emphasizes in its paper that it sees trustworthiness as a prerequisite for the uptake of AI. For AI systems such as skin cancer detection applications or system for complex X-ray analysis or voice recognition that can be used, for example, to predict heart attacks and so on, or to diagnose heart attacks. But for these technologies to be classified as trustworthy, seven essential requirements need to be fulfilled, at least according to the high-level expert group on AI that has been set up by the Commission. There must be, first, a human agency and oversight, Second, technical robustness and safety. Third, privacy and data governance. Fourth, transparency. Fifth, diversity, non-discrimination and fairness. Sixth, social and environmental well-being. And the seventh point is accountability. But one level deeper, many open questions still remain. For example, if transparency includes the explainability of decisions made by AI systems such as an intelligent system predicting, let's see, for example, epileptic seizures, through voice recognition, it probably involves trade-offs regarding cybersecurity, privacy, accuracy, and probably even trade secret protection. Concepts like fairness, for instance, might mean different things across different countries and stakeholders. And indeed, multiple AI fairness concepts exist with incompatibilities and trade-offs among them. What should be done, for example, if a more accurate algorithm has the effect of reinforcing existing deprivations of worse subgroups, is that a reason to move to a less accurate but more solidaristic one? The Commission has not scratched the surface of these difficult questions, and that fact will be essential for the next steps in AI governance. So there is a lot of work to be done here. That's fascinating. And thank you for listing the requirements. I just want to pick up on the fifth one, 
diversity, non-discrimination and fairness. Given current discussions regarding health disparities and racial bias, particularly in the context of COVID-19, can you discuss the importance of this fifth requirement? So this is a very good question, Diana. Perhaps I try to answer it uh, regarding non-discrimination. I think a huge ethical concern when it comes to AI is bias. And there are, and this is very important to know too, there are different types of biases which can arise in the context of AI in healthcare. So, uh, for example, the data can be biased, but it can also be that the algorithm itself exhibits bias, which is also very important to know. And then it is also possible that you have a contextual bias. So if you are transferring an AI from one context to the other, that this could also lead to a bias. And it's not necessarily that a product which works in the US will work in a low and middle income country, for example. And then there's also another type of bias, which is an unconscious bias. So that we believe something and have specific values like also what I discussed before with the European values and then this will be coded into the model uh, unconsciously and I think when it comes right now to the COVID-19 pandemic there are a lot of AIs which are currently being used and are promising tools so for example to better track an outbreak early on so for example there's blue dot comes from Canada Toronto And that AI already knew in advance or earlier on than we knew in the media where actually the virus will spread. So it can be very beneficial to have such an AI. But on the other hand, we also, for example, need to make sure to have enough data. So if we use an AI right now to train and diagnose if someone has COVID-19, I think this is very promising. But we should always make sure to also test in addition because we need to also see an AI is always only as good as its data, which is feed uh, towards uh, into this AI. And so garbage in, garbage out. That means we really need to make sure and look at what kind of data we put into an AI. And I think there's a lot still we need to learn until we get it right. Yes, I fully concur with Sarah. I think this is indeed a major problem and the bias and discrimination issues will also be sector specific i think and a lot of the bias and discrimination issues are nothing new because you know human based decision also had to deal with bias and discrimination but i think the ai technology poses also a few very peculiar questions that are different and new of embedded biases for example that also can perpetuate and become stronger as the algorithm develops, for example, in machine learning systems. So we have to be extra careful there. There's still a lot of work to be done and it's a really exciting and also important area. Mm, Yeah, that's that's really thought-provoking. Thank you both. Now, the article also points out the need for policymakers to have processes in place in order to continually update AI policies, guidelines and regulations. Can you give examples of what you think these processes might look like and how we can ensure these are transparent? Sure. So this is really an excellent question. It's important, for example, that new processes and rules will be put in place to ensure appropriate monitoring of AI systems when these evolve and hopefully improve. So it will be necessary 
to develop regulatory frameworks that consider the complete life cycle of AI systems. So from establishing the quality of all data used for their initial development to managing risks to their final decommission. And it is crucial really to consider AIs not a standalone product, but as a complex socio-technical systems with many interacting components. So one really needs to view the entire system to ensure that these technologies realize their promises and improve healthcare. But at the same time, we also need to figure out the exact regulatory balance to stay flexible and be able to adapt to new knowledge quickly and efficiently. And I am a fan of a stakeholder approach. So for example, before updating AI policies, guidelines and regulations, we should enable feedback, such as through an open forum from researchers, clinicians, ethicists, legal experts, and in particular, users and patients. Fabulous. Thank you, Sarah. Yeah, I like that idea of a stakeholder approach. That's great. So to finish off then, do either of you have any concluding remarks? Yes, I mean, I have something that is on my mind, and that is, you know, many, many data scientists, they actually are trying to avoid lawyers. Lawyers are making things more complicated, right? So they are trying to avoid them. Lawyers, they are uh, party crashers or party poopers, you know, who just (laughs) make your life unnecessarily complicated. And I just want to defend the law and our thoughts in this area as being important and maybe also being enablers to make the technology more sustainable and to embed it in our legal system, and our value-based system. So the lawyers, of course, need to understand the technology and they need to understand where the problems are, right? And they need to understand what impact their legal proposals have in the area. So we need to talk to each other and that counts for all stakeholders. But they should also listen to us lawyers under the same conditions. Because I think if you have a legally robust and ethically compliant algorithm and mechanism, then this can also become a competitive advantage in the area. So I think for me, what is important? First, the stakeholder approach and what Timo said, it's important that we are talking to each other. But in such a complex area like AI and in the health, especially when it comes to the implementation into the healthcare system, I think it's very, very important that we have diverse teams in place and that we are talking to each other and also try to understand each other. Sometimes across disciplines, it's difficult to understand one person or the other. And I think that's something we need to learn to communicate to each other and really trying to implement or like following such a stakeholder approach. The second thing for me, what is important is that, so no matter what the law is, because it also depends and differs across jurisdictions, I think what's very important is that, especially manufacturers should implement early on in their development uh, process of their products an ethics by design thinking. So really, starting to think about the ethical issues, about bias, and being critical about their product. And I think no matter what they are required when it comes, for example, to data privacy, but even then, no matter what the law says, to practice ethics by design. Because I think that ultimately will promote trust among users and patients And it is also important if we develop these AI products that they will be successfully implemented 
and also needs to be accepted not only by clinicians but also by the users and patients and i think that's why building trust and promoting trust is a really important issue and so i think this we can really facilitate through an ethics by design approach fantastic well thank you both so much for joining me today thank you very much diana it was a pleasure thank you very much diana it was a pleasure too you can read this viewpoint online now at the lancet digital health thank you for listening